heart as we look at these precious truths in the book of Leviticus. Help us to understand them. Give the openness of mind that allows us to see in these things shadows of Christ. Bless us together as we study, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Just a little bit of a, a information before we begin our study today. We're in chapter 8. If you'd turn to Leviticus chapter 8. From here on, I will be doing, as I had indicated probably when, when I accepted the task of studying the book of Leviticus, um, I don't want to make it into a seminary course verse-by-verse uh, verse exposition that would take weeks, months, perhaps, and we're not going to do that. I will, at this point, we have covered those sacrificial, um, uh, the sacrifices, and, uh, and Moses concludes that study that we've been involved in in chapter 7, verse 37, if you would go there where he finishes out that section that has to do with the various sacrifices, and he then names them as he concludes um, this section. Ver uh, chapter 8 is a, uh, a move in a different direction, almost a historical direction instead of the uh, sacrificial thing. Um, but he says there, this is the law of the burnt offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the consecrations, and the sacrifice of the peace offering, which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai on the day when he commanded the children of Israel to offer their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. So that concludes the important section, I think, of, of uh, building a foundation for a study of Leviticus, those uh, sacrifices and how they connoted Christ. I'll still be making reference to them uh, from time to time. But the lesson today is in chapter 8, and it is a shift, uh, a rather major shift, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, from the previous section. Let's read a little bit of it. I'm going to read at least down to verse 14, or actually 13. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments, the anointing oil, a bull as the sin offering, two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread. And gather all the congregation together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And the congregation was gathered together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, this is what the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. And he put the tunic on him girded him with the sash, clothed him with the robe, and put the ephod, or ephod, on him, and he girded him with the intricacy, 
intricately woven band of the ephod, and with it tied the ephod on him. Then he put the breastplate on him, and he put the urim and the thummim in the breastplate. And he took the turban on his head, and he put the turban on his head. Also on the turban, on its front, he put the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Also Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. He sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times anointed the altar and all its utensils and the laver and its base to consecrate them. And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Then Moses brought Aaron's sons and put tunics on them, girded them with sashes, and put hats on them as the Lord had commanded Moses. My, my. This is a one-time event. We're about to study the inauguration of the system that he's already described, the sacrifices and all those things. And this priestly sacrifices and the priestly service of the tabernacle is in, it begins in chapter 8, and it runs through chapter 10, mostly through chapter 10. And uh, it's a one-time event, now that they're there, he's going to consecrate the, the uh, Aaronic priesthood and so forth. That brings up a real question. He's treating Aaron rather nicely, isn't he? What's Aaron's record? Pardon me? Uh, for what reason? Do you recall? Oh, the golden calf. Uh, Aaron just kind of stood by and, and didn't, didn't do anything. And one wonders about that. But doesn't that speak to God's forgiveness and God's grace? Of course it does. But here's Aaron, one who failed in, in a number of ways. In some sense, so did Moses, I suppose. Um, uh, going around hitting rocks and everything. I'm sorry, it's just, it's just a joke. <laughs> but I don't think it was a failure, but nonetheless, we are imperfect human beings. Moses was, Aaron certainly was. And yet here, he is being consecrated as high priest. Now the person who is doing this is Moses. Moses is the direct connection between God in the, in the mount and Israel. But he's about to appoint Aaron as the high priest. And then after that, Aaron will be responsible for these things and the ministry of the, of the tabernacle. And so this is an important, an important part of what's going on in this whole process. One wonders if Aaron, because of like Aaron's sons in chapter 10, we'll read about it later, are burnt up and you wonder why Aaron wasn't, but nonetheless, he wasn't. And he comes out, uh, how, does it, how does the old saying goes? Smelling like a rose. Okay. Um, consecrated as high priest uh, in, 
Israel. And so it's an interesting um, uh, section. And then he talks about in verse 14, he brought the bull for the sin offering and all those things. And um, Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull for the sin offering. They are the, the, uh, we're doing that atonement thing, substitutionary atonement again. Uh, is being illustrated by this. And Moses killed it. Moses, God's representative. It was usually be the uh, uh, duty of the bringer. But Moses kills this. Then he took the blood and put some on the horns of the altar all around with his finger, purified the altar. And he poured the blood at the base of the altar and consecrate, consecrated it to make atonement. For it. And so the whole thing is loaded with Romans chapter 5, 4, 5, and 6, actually. Um, a direct connection. And we see a lot of, of these things uh, uh, used by the Apostle Paul to, uh, um, to make his points in the book of Romans. Uh, and so we have this direct connection. By the way, speaking of direct connections, if we were to do a verse-by-verse verse study of this, we would have to go to one. We'd have to go to Exodus. We'd have to go back there and read that whole portion, which has a lot to do with these things that are going on here. These are the details. Exodus gives us a rather flowing... Um, the way it all fell out and it has some insights into these things. You could not study this without studying Deuteronomy. You couldn't understand this in its fullness without studying numbers. Okay. So let's say the Pentateuch itself would just study every verse in the Pentateuch. No, we're not going to do that. We are going to do uh, uh, like a survey course at seminary or a survey course uh, in whatever uh, place you might learn the scriptures and so forth. Uh, we're not going to go into the minute details. For instance, what in the world is the Urim and the Thummim? What was its use? Anybody want to take a stab? <laughs> It was in the breastplate, apparently. Some depicted as stones that were put in the breastplate. I'm not so sure that's true. It said it was put in uh, the breastplate. I'm not sure of exactly how that looked. Um, is there any other place in the scriptures that describes the glorious clothing of the great high priest? Any other place? A familiar one. The book of Revelation. Images of Christ. At the last day. In heaven. All of these things point to that. It's certainly not nearly as glorious. But these clothing things put on, it says, uh, the Apostle Paul says, put on this, put on that. Like clothing. The clothing metaphor is used over and over again. But these images 
are glorious when you think about it. There's a lot of gold involved. There's those kind of things. It's just, and it says that the high priest is a glorious figure. Of course, we know that. It is Christ Jesus, our Lord. And he is not there. He won't be there for another couple of thousand years. But, uh, but these things are all pointing to him. Now he is appointing Aaron as the high priest and then uh, uh, doing all these things and, and inaugurating this worship system that we have been talking about, these sacrifices and all the things. If we go through there in details, in detailed study of verse by verse, you were in uh, chapters 9 and 10, you'll run into some things that seem to differ slightly with the way they were presented earlier. And they do, probably, uh, in terms of, of the sacrifices for this group of people, the sacrifices for the high priest, the sacrifices for the commoner, um, and, and everything. The other thing I wanted to clarify, and I'm going to uh, uh, take the view of most major commentators uh, on this, and about the word congregation. Now, how many people were camped around the tabernacle? All told, 12 tribes. About how many would you estimate it? Somebody throw out a figure for me. Pardon me? Millions, about 3 million. Could they gather at the gate? Not likely. Um, the congregation, by most commentators, are those people uh, appointed by Moses and, uh, 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 as the head of their tribes, and they comprised the congregation. They represented all of the people. And they, would, uh, they, would, they are to, uh, 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 consecrated in a way during this period of time. They identified who, they does never say, say who they are, but we don't believe that all three million or so um, uh, people uh, gathered at the, at the door, but they're representatives from each tribe. We would have to go back to Exodus to see that selection and, and so forth. And so now this is all going to begin the work. First Moses goes in, consecrates the tabernacle. Even he can't just walk in. He's got to consecrate everything, which he does. He even washes Aaron and his sons. Wow. And uh, uh, that's very interesting uh, stuff going on here that's metaphoric and symbolic of the holiness of God. We see it time and time and time again. You don't come before this God, one, without a sacrifice for your sin. It's still true today, isn't it? Hey, I don't approach this God except through Jesus Christ, my Lord, who was offered up for me and for my sins. And I am now consecrated in the Lord Jesus Christ. I can come into his presence. Did you hear what I said? 
we can come into his presence because we have a sacrifice that has consecrated us. My goodness. Isn't that that good news? That's the gospel. The gospel according to Leviticus. Uh, God is holy. But never forget God is holy. And if you come into his presence offering fire that hasn't been authorized, you're burnt up. Aaron's sons were. Because they didn't follow the dictates of the Lord and most through Moses. And they offered strange fire and were burnt to a crisp. It said that they had to drag them out by their clothing. I'm sure they were burnt up and charred. Our God is holy. But we... If you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, confessed him as Savior, repented of your sins, you can approach the glorious God of the ages. We can come into his presence. I have an old saying. You ever hear this old saying? Well, if you get to heaven and and, uh, uh, St. Peter says, why should I let you into this heaven? You remember that? Does anybody remember that kind of silliness? Well, I have an answer for that. I point and I yell loudly. It's because of him. That's why you should let me in. Not because of me, but because of Christ. He died for me. And Peter will say, come on in. And we will come into the very presence of God. For now, though, in the desert at Mount Sinai and in the tabernacle, all these things are played out metaphorically. They are not in reality. The book of Hebrews says that very plainly. That they were not the real things. They were what they were commanded to do, but the real thing is the message of these things is the prediction of these things. It's all about Christ. It is truly the gospel according to Leviticus, a direct connection. And so I I think that we can benefit mightily from this, but in the the next weeks, we're going to move rather quickly. Um, uh, This... this, uh, Uh, application right now that we're talking about the consecration of Aaron and the priesthood and the beginning their first uh, ministry their first service I suppose you would call it is in 8 through 10 chapters 8 through 10 and uh, that takes up the time there and it talks about Verse 14, and he brought the bull for the sin offering and um, pouring the blood out and doing exactly what we already studied in the, in the first uh, seven chapters of those, of those offerings and so forth. And, uh, and then he says he uh, brought a ram, verse 18, and he uh, brought the ram as a burnt offering and 
uh, Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram. You see this repeated time and time again. And surely we have already uh, uh, kind of characterized that. That's talking about substitutionary atonement. Romans 4, 5. Uh, the Apostle Paul surely saw that. Uh, and he cut the ram into pieces, verse 20, and Moses burned the head, the pieces, and the fat. Then he washed the entrails and the legs in water. They might have bad stuff, and so they washed them. And Moses burned the whole ram on the altar. It was a burnt sacrifice for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses is still an important person here. All of this is filtered through Moses, and Moses even conducted uh, the first consecration of, of uh, Aaron and the priesthood. And he brought the second ram, the ram of consecration. And Aaron and his sons laid their hand on the head of the ram. And that's in verse 22 of chapter 8. Moses killed it. Also, he took some of the blood and did the whole thing. Um, and then look what he did. He put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. And he brought Aaron's son, and Moses put some of the blood on the tips of their right ears, on the thumbs of their right hand, and on the big toes of their right feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood all around on the altar. There's a lot of blood going on here. Yes. There is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. I think that was said in the New Testament. And we're seeing it played out here originally in these things. Um, and, and all of this just continues the dedication of the uh, uh, line of Aaron, Aaron himself and his sons. Then Moses took them from their hands and burned them on the altar, verse 28, on the burnt offering. There it is again. We're back to that. There, uh, uh, they were consecration offerings for a sweet aroma. That was an offering made by fire to the Lord. And then comes something interesting, verse 29, chapter 8, 29. And Moses took the breast and waved it as a wave offering before the Lord. There's two kinds of offerings there. The wave offering and the heave offering. Strange stuff when you think about it. The wave offering was made with this movement. The heave offering was made with this movement, holding the offering. Yeah, you know, if you, <laughs> if you don't read it all and kind of get the message, it's kind of odd. It makes, it, it makes you wonder what in the world is going on. Uh, uh, but in fact, it has meaning in both, place, uh, both types. 
Moses took some of the anointing oil, verse 30, and the blood which was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron, on his garments. Yes, on his clothing. Uh, on his sons and on the garments of his sons with him. And he consecrated Aaron, his garments, his sons, and the garments of his sons with him. So he has consecrated the priesthood. He is inaugurating the worship uh, of uh, the priesthood uh, worship in the tabernacle. And in verse 31, And Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the flesh at the door of the tabernacle of meeting and eat it there with the bread that is in the basket of consecration offering as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. Interesting. Now, if you remember our diagram, you've got uh, the... You got the uh, outer fence, if you want to call it, the veil, and then an opening in that, and then the first thing is the bronze altar, and then behind that is the, um, uh, uh, excuse me, the, it's the, um, what do you call it, bronze, where they put all the, the offerings, everything, then, then there's the laver, the bronze laver is near the entrance of the tabernacle, but they are, to, uh, they are still in the yard, so to speak. Later on, you'll see that God commands them to eat these things, to not leave the tabernacle for seven days. That kind of consecration is elsewhere in the scriptures, but interesting that they are not to leave the, the uh, confines of the tabernacle for seven days. What does that mean? Were there restroom facilities there? <laughs> Seven days they have to remain in this thing. It doesn't tell us. We really don't know. But I'm, I'm sure that there was provision made for just such things. But it, it does speak of the consecration, the lengthy con uh, consecration uh, ritual of the priesthood. Now, after that is done, in the, uh, verse, chapter 9, and it came to pass, verse 1, came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel, and he said to Aaron, take for yourself a young bull as a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering without blemish and offer them before the Lord. And the children of Israel shall speak, saying, take a kid of the goat, goats as a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering. Here we go. The offerings are absolutely central still uh, for the ministry of the priesthood. Also a bull and a ram as peace offerings to sacrifice before the Lord and a grain offering. It pretty much covers the gamut of the various uh, uh, offerings and sacrifices that were be to be made in this consecration of, the, of Aaron and the sons of Aaron. And so they brought what Moses commanded before the tabernacle of meeting, and all the congregation drew near and stored, stood before the Lord. Then Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commanded you to do, and the glory of the Lord 
will appear to you. This is an important moment. I uh, have always watched the inauguration of presidents. I don't know, I just like to watch that. And that's what's going on here. It's a very important moment in the history of Israel. Very important. Uh, and it says, the glory of the Lord will appear to you. And Moses said to Aaron, go to the altar, offer your sin offering and your burnt offering, and make atonement for yourself and for the people. Offer the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord commanded. Did you notice that he had to give for himself? There's a difference here. It's not necessary for Christ to do that in the most holy place in heaven. No, no. He was without sin. And he had no reason to offer anything for his own sin, but Aaron did. And it appears that Aaron made it through. <laughs> he was consecrated and he came out. And he was uh, uh, not killed. Go to the altar, uh, verse 7. And Moses said to Aaron, go to the altar, offer your sin offering and your burnt offering and make atonement for you. Offer the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord commanded. Aaron therefore went into the altar and killed the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. Then the sons of Aaron brought the blood to him, and he dipped his finger in the blood, put it on the horns of the altar, and poured the blood at the base of the altar. But the fat, the kidneys, and the fatty lobe of the liver of the sin offering he burned on the altar as the Lord had commanded Moses. You see this repeated thing, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Repeatedly, this is said. The flesh and the hide he burned with fire outside the camp. Interesting. And he killed the burnt offering, and Aaron's sons presented him the blood, which he sprinkled all around on the altar. Then they presented the burnt offering to, to him with its pieces and head, and he burned them on the altar. And he washed the entrails and the legs, and he burned them with the burnt offering on the altar. Then he brought the people's offering and took the goat, which was the sin offering for the people, and killed it and offered it for sin like the first one. And he brought the burnt offering and offered it according to the, in the prescribed manner. That's where the sons of Aaron went wrong. Then he brought the grain offering, took a handful of it, and burned it on the altar beside the burnt sacrifice of the morning. He also killed the bull and the ram as sacrifices of peace offering which were for the people. And Aaron's sons presented to him the blood which he sprinkled all around on the altar. Boy, this is getting a routine, isn't it? That's exactly how this procedure goes. Lots of blood. Because there's no remission without blood. Uh, and the fat from the bull and the ram, the fatty tail, what covers the entrails and the kidneys, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver, and they put the fat on the be uh, breasts 
and he burned the fat on the altar. But the breast and the right thigh, Aaron waved as a wave offering before the Lord, as Moses had commanded. Then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people, blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering, the burnt offerings, and peace offerings. He's kind of com uh, completing this process. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting, oh boy, and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. God's approval, eh? Yes. He approves of the things that Moses, Aaron, and they had done in the consecration of the tabernacle. And fire came out before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Now, we don't do those kind of things anymore because we don't see in actuality the same glory, but guess what? The glory that we see in the Lord Jesus Christ, even if it isn't like fire coming out from pastor's office or something <laughs> to burn us up or something, isn't it glorious? Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He had no sin and he has ascended to the right hand of the majesty on high. Can you imagine the glory there? We should fall on our feet, so to speak, or fall on our face, so to speak, and worship him, glorify him. Jesus Christ is glorious. And he reduces us to whatever we are. When the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. And then in the middle of this whole account, read the next and we'll finish with that. Not a good finish, is it? <laughs> then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them, probably wishing to be as, as impactful as what they had just seen in the glory of the Lord. And they did get fire out from the Lord. Verse 2, so fire went out from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people, I must be glorified. Still true today. We are to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think we do that well enough. I mean, I'm, when I say we, I'm talking about collective, the church in, in the world today. I don't think we glorify Christ in the way and the manner that he needs to be. You know that Christ is here this morning. We don't see him. 
but he said he would be with us and in us. That glorious God is here this morning. It's beautiful stuff. Makes me want to cry just a little bit. Who am I? Sinner that I was. Probably still am some. Different kind of sin now. But who am I to have that privilege? I could turn it and say, who are you? <laughs> we are all the same, guys. We are all the same. We are sinners, one and all. But we have been redeemed, consecrated, and so that we can move into the very presence of this glorious God. Then Moses called Mishael and the fellows and the sons of Uzziel, the uncle of Aaron, and he said to them, Come near, carry your brother out, your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. And so they went near and carried them by their tunics that they were wearing out of the camp, as Moses had said, out of the camp. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his sons, do not uncover your heads nor tear your clothes, lest you die and wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord has kindled. What a dramatic scene. Stunning. Is this God holy or what? You shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you, and they did according to the word of Moses. There it is again. Wow. We'll finish there for today. Pick up there later next week. It is remarkable the things that are going on in this inaugural event of the first services. We're going to see Aaron do the first service now uh, in the next study. Uh, and he is, um, Moses has taken the lead at this point and done all of that stuff that, um, that the high priest would have done. And, but now Aaron has been consecrated as high priest. And we'll see him take over. Once again, I, I remind you, um, uh, Aaron was not uh, <laughs> without fault, let's say. Um, for those of us who serve the Lord as ministers of the gospel, as, the, as deacons, as officers in the church and everything else, my, 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 I have to say to you, I don't qualify by any stretch of the imagination, according to natural attributes. I'm not the smartest man that ever lived. That would be my wife. She's smarter than I am. So, <laughs> but 
I am not the smartest, certainly not the most uh, dedicated in all things to God, and yet God is pleased to consecrate me as a minister of this glorious gospel and to teach the word of God even to you and to whoever I can get a chance to teach. And I'm going to declare to them the glory of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we may, we may not see it in our eyes right now, in our physical eyes. We may not see that glory, but we know that the glory is here. And it comes by your word. And it shines a light in our heart. It gives us wisdom. It is all about you, Lord, and your consecration of us. We ask, dear Father, that you bless every Christian in this room, everyone who has named you as Lord and Savior. And we ask that you grant them, by the power of your Holy Spirit, the ability to consecrate their life and present it as a living sacrifice to you. Not a dead one, a living one. Help us, Father, to meet this standard. We pray in, name, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you very much.